Welcome to the No Meh Movies Podcast. How many times have you heard a movie is alright? It's average. It's just okay. If you ask your friends if you should see it and they say, meh, I'm Davey Barris and he's Darren Cross. And on this show, we'll break down and review these movies and decide once and for all if these meh movies are good or bad and whether or not you should watch them. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. Now, for a movie to qualify as meh, it's not our decision. It must be between 40 and 60 on Rotten Tomatoes on the tomato meter or between 4 and 6 on IMDb. And the movie we chose this week in honor of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, in theaters this weekend, we, of course, took the space with 1999's Wing Commander. Which qualifies as a meh movie, just barely, as a 10% on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes and a 4.3 on IMDb. And if you understand how percentages work, you will understand that it is going to be very hard for us to find some fresh reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Nevertheless, I think we'll be able to come up with something here. Darren, we should give a spoiler warning, a spoiler warning for Wing Commander. In case it's been a while since they've seen it or they've never seen it before. Tell us, what is Wing Commander about? Wing Commander takes place in the year 2454, so well into the future, and space-time travel and all those fun things are are a commonplace thing. The Kilrathi, who's the the main enemy in in this movie, attacks a base of the humans, destroys all of it, and so Freddie Prince Jr., who plays our main character, is on a ship with a couple other folks and they get a message that they are to deliver this encrypted message to the tiger claw because there is some concern that this attack is going to continue by the Kilrathi and they might head towards earth and so they're trying to head them off but they need to know head them off at the pass yes that's right hate that cliche (laughs) (laughs) they're trying to head them off at the pass of the jump point where they are going to jump through space and time because that's a thing right now to uh, attack Earth. And so they're trying to beat them to this point. And so the story is about them trying to do that and the relationships between our characters. That's all. Well, thank you, Darren. Excellent synopsis. Now the important question that we ask of all our meh movies, Wing Commander, were you entertained? I was a little bit entertained by this movie. However, not always for the right reasons. There were some things that entertained me, I think, that weren't supposed, like things that were funny that probably weren't supposed to be funny. <laughs> a little bit of that. Okay. A little bit of that. Um, there was some good action. There's some good good fight scenes, some space fighting. The story was, was relatively interesting. We'll get into it more, but our main character, Christopher Blair, goes by Maverick. Never yes. never heard that flying name before. Nope. Totally original. Totally original. He is like kind of a half-breed, if you will, which we'll talk more about. And so that plays into the story quite a bit, which is interesting. So I liked, I liked that sort of storyline that, that came throughout the movie. So I was mildly entertained. I've definitely been more entertained by action movies, space action movies, but I wasn't totally not entertained. It was kind of meh. well you'll have to change your tune by the end of this podcast because there are no movies allowed here what about you were you entertained i uh was entertained um i think the the prospect of this movie like the potential of this movie had me more entertained than than i actually could say i was entertained like give me space battles like that that's my jam. I enjoy a good space battle. Mm-hmm. And like when the ships like came into contact with Kilrathi, Kilrathi ships and I was like, oh, a battle's about to be on. Like the prospect of what was about to happen had me entertained. And maybe the battles themselves or how the action played out didn't exactly entertain me as much as I had hoped. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, yeah, that's the, the kind of things I look for in these space movies. Like 
when the X-Wings lock their S-Foils in attack position, I'm locked in. Like, that's the stuff I want to see. I'm referencing Star Wars. There'll probably be more references to Star Wars as the movie goes on. So when the rapier ships, like, fly out of the hangar, I'm like, yeah, okay. Let's have some fun. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I was I was entertained by that. The pilot stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it... it Clearly, uh, when we do these 90s movies, we uh, have a little bit of nostalgia glasses that we got to see through. Sure. And uh, I definitely remember my younger self being entertained by the, like, the space battles. Like I remember th- that's why I remember this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's because clearly the inner child in me was like, ooh, spaceships fighting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's uh, fair. That part was entertaining. Okay. All right. All right, Darren. So uh, I, I I guess I kind of touched on this, but uh, with the space battles and living up to expectations, but did this movie do what it was supposed to do? I have two, two answers for this. Yeah, how do they have it categorized this week? So this week, it's the genre I came mostly through the different sites was essentially just science fiction film or science fiction action film. So... If you rely on that solely, then I would say yes, it did what it was supposed to do. There, there are things going on that we currently have to do, don't have the technology for doing, and things that exist that we, as far as we know, don't exist. It's fiction, and it's taking place. <laughs> this isn't based on historical <laughs> events. No, no, surprisingly, no. So, but that's not exactly the hardest thing in the world to accomplish in a movie. Right. The second half was: did it execute like a enjoyable? space fighting conflict movie I'm, I mean I think we kind of answered it in the War You Entertain was that I, I think there was more potential there than what they executed I think the setup was there but maybe they didn't quite fully execute what they were um, hoping to do and so I, I think it fell a little short as far as fully accomplishing that world of I don't know, space wars. The whole video game movie is the thing I'm going to kind of focus on. And if if you didn't know, Wing Commander is based on a set of video games that started in the 1990. Oh, 90? 90, yeah, it was the original game. And these are PC games, Super NES games, uh, PlayStation games. And it kind of went throughout the 90s, and I actually found a uh, an emulator online. Ooh, did you play? Yeah. It is really hard to play a space <laughs> flight game with your arrow keys on your laptop. <laughs> it's really hard. But I could see if you like had a Super NES controller or had a computer joystick, yeah. how it might be a slightly entertaining game. Yeah. As far as like translating that then into film, so this movie was directed by Chris Roberts, who's the guy who created the video game mm-hmm. and wrote the video games. And he decided, I, I don't know, he took it upon himself or some studio gave him the green light to go ahead and make this movie, yeah. uh, 20th Century Fox. And let him direct as a first-time director, like, it was a strange choice. And I think it shows, I don't know, the translation of the story that would work in a video game just doesn't work as a movie. You need more. You need more depth to it. Like, in a video game, it's all right that the Kilrathli are, like, a, well, they're not faceless, but a nameless, like, horde of aliens, right? Yeah. in fact, people are very upset that the look of the Kelrathi is different in this movie. It's a right. it's a big thing. Don't <laughs> don't bring it up, Darren. They'll they'll attack us. And so, but it's things like that. Like in a movie, you need a little bit more like fleshed out. Like in Star Trek, like the the Klingons, like you get a little bit more fleshed out on like why they're the villains and why they're fighting the Federation. Whereas in this, it's just. Sure, they're the bad guys. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and then the things you want to see from the video game, the fighting, the shooting, you know, the things that make the video game exciting, and they spent way more time on the relationships and the romance in this movie than they did on any of the fighting. I mean, they're they're barely in space. 
right? They're barely out of the hangar, or out of the out of the command ship. Mm-hmm. It feels like from I mean, most of the movie takes place not flying. Yeah, yeah. And then, as far as like the genre goes, so at first I assumed this movie was going to try to be Star Wars. Because, I mean, in, in 1999, coincidentally, is when Phantom Menace came out. So, Star Wars is coming back into theaters. And this is one of the few, early early trivia, this is one of the few trailers shown with the Phantom Menace. Mm. Yeah. And so, that's what I assumed at first. That's why we're doing it this week on the podcast. Star Wars. And as it went on, I realized that this is not a Star Wars movie. This is a submarine movie. And I'm like, okay, this is more like the hunt for Red October, right? They're trying to be quiet. They're trying to hide. Then when they actually get into the final battle, they're like going broadside. And I'm like, now it's a naval movie. (laughs) So is it a, you know, are you Star Wars? Are you a submarine movie in space? Or are you a naval battle in space? Like, I think it kind of didn't pick one and gave us all three. So in in that sense, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. Because right. it jumped around military genres too much. Okay. So, yeah. So, that's what I got. I have these notes just kind of randomly throughout. It really wanted to be a submarine movie. I mean, we're firing torpedoes <laughs> in space. <laughs> I don't feel like it's the most effective. I mean, I'm talking like in Star Wars, they have proton torpedoes. But it's like, it's more of like a heat-seeking missile than it is. Like, we're talking actual like firing tubes yeah. And like big, long, giant torpedoes. Yeah. Like you would fire underwater. Right. In space. It's true. <laughs> You're not wrong. Oh, man. And then the, they were pinging. They were pinging each <laughs> other so they could like detect through noise. So they were like running silent. Yeah. Hiding on the bottom of a crater. Ah, it's so it's so much wanted to be a submarine movie <laughs> in that second act. Let's talk a little bit about these actors because... Oh, what a cast we have, and we haven't touched on them yet. It's a really big cast, actually. Oh, yeah. We've got Freddie Prince Jr. as Christopher Maverick Blair, Matthew Lillard as Todd Maniac Marshall, Saffron Burroughs as Jeanette Angel Devereaux. I don't think we ever hear a first name in the movie. Yeah, I don't think we do. We call her Angel the whole time. Yeah. Cheke Caro, Cario I think it's pretty close. Commander James Paladin Taggart. Jurgen Prochnow as Commander Paul Gerald, David Shute as Captain Jason Sansky, David Warner as Admiral Jeffrey Talwin, and Ginny Holder as Lieutenant Rosie Forbes, and I can't leave out Hugh Quarshi as Lieutenant Obutu. Obutu. Who I realized where I knew him from. I love this game. Where do I know this guy from? He is like the head of the Royal Guard in Star Wars A Phantom Menace for the Naboo people and for uh, Queen Amidala. He had two giant space movies in 1999. <laughs> that guy was crushing it in 1999. Big year. Yeah. And a few more people round out our cast. So, Darren, who is your top performer out of all those 90s faces? <laughs> I went back and forth with this a bunch, and I may have just ended up landing on who... I like in general as an actor. So in the end, I chose Matthew Lillard. Mm, interesting. So I am a fan of Matthew Lillard. I think he does this interesting, and it, and I will say that he does very a lot of the same stuff throughout his movies, the way he kind of acts. It, it kind of goes across different movies. But he does this almost like uh, overly emotional kind of I mean I know they call him maniac or whatever in this but he does this sort of like overly emotional like kind of manic thing where he's like very emotional whether it be happy sad kind of like takes it to the extreme and then he like all of a sudden comes down to like philosophical conversation okay so he's kind of like party guy whatever and then but he'll switch it in a second and and be like now we're talking for real and like get very serious and it's believable that he is like now I'm talking like about something I actually care about. The rest of what I was doing, I was just dicking around kind of thing. And I see that across a lot of his movies, and I saw it again here. I wish I would we would have saw more of him. And I'll quick that's <laughs> I'll brief one of my one of my fails that he pretty much disappears for the 
last third of the movie until the very end. He's just not around. Yeah. <laughs> he gets injured, but then he tell Angel tells him to get up because he's they're going out to do this this final final va- mission mission yeah. and we don't see him for like 40 minutes <laughs> so he fires a shot at the like satellite dish ship yeah of the kilrathi and, that's and it. then that's it yeah. yeah so that was weird but that's besides the point so in the end i gave it to him i thought he for what he for what he was offered to do i thought he did a pretty good job with his role as this sort of buddy to our main character all right interesting he does yeah he like l- kind of acts by his inner child yeah almost or i mean if you want to i think correct me if i'm wrong the id and the ego isn't the id all impulse yeah yeah so he's like it's like id like a hundred percent of the time with him right which yeah it can be entertaining in the right you have to have the the right writer to write the right character for that and i think maniac marshall probably might be my favorite role he's ever done yeah but i and i also like that he I think you're you're correct, but then all of a sudden he'll like switch it off, and like I like for the scene where like him and not all of the scenes with him and Rosie, but some of the scenes with him and Rosie, I was like, this feels pretty genuine. Like they feel like there might be something of of some value or or substance happening here. Say more chemistry than the other relationship in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Between yes. Blair and Angel. Nothing in my mind will ever beat his performance in the movie SLC Punk, but that's besides the point. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I went with Matthew Lillard. Uh, what about you? So, my top performer this is interesting because I'm sticking in the same storyline as you. My top performer actually goes to Ginny Holder, who played Lieutenant Rosie Forbes. All right. She has a smaller role in this movie, but I think she's the most believable uh, as a... As someone in the military, as someone in the, the the Navy, I guess, or the Air Force, whatever branch of the military they happen to be imitating in that act of the movie. <laughs> and yeah, she's the most believable for me. And she kind of commits to being this hard ass, this this tough chick. And the piloting scenes, like when her ship is pretty banged up and she's coming back in, and you get those cockpit shots of her, like, it's believable because she's still trying to act tough, but you could tell as more things go wrong on the ship, the more scared, she's scared she's getting, she is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I honestly thought she gave the best performance, and I was looking at her career. It looks like she's she's done a lot of TV. Like she's been steadily working as an actress her whole career. I just I don't know her from anything else. Like yeah. I couldn't place her anywhere else. So right. cool. Yeah, that was my top performer. Sassy sister or sister sassy. That was her nickname. Oh, was it? <laughs> it's time to move into the meat and potatoes of our podcast successes and failures where does this movie succeed where does this movie fail let's get into some details what do you got first fail i have down i have a couple more fails than i have successes so I'll, i'll do a fail first i think you briefly mentioned it already i did not like that we didn't learn more about our enemy yeah. So the Kelrathi, we know basically from the very beginning of the movie that they're our enemy because they attack this base, pretty much destroy everything. It's the opposite of the save the cat method. <laughs> so if you know the save the cat philosophy, it's if your hero does something heroic in the very first opening minutes of the movie, like save a cat from a tree, yeah. you know to root for him the rest of the movie. <laughs> If your nameless, faceless alien horde <laughs> destroys an entire, you know, command ship, you know they're or the bad guys. Base, yeah, command base. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, all right, I, I don't want, I want, th- I don't want them to win. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so right off the bat, we 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 know the name and we know that there are our main antagonist in this movie, but there were so many space movies running through my head where. Not only is there a chance just to develop more story, but there's also a chance to like be entertaining. Like the first thing that popped in my head was, and this is, I mean, d- different movie, but Fifth Element, right? All right. So I, I can't remember the name of the bad guys in Fifth Elements. Like not the not the main bad guy, yeah, but, but the, the like other a race, hog-like, yeah. humanoid creature, right? But like you, there's enough scenes that they're in that you get to know their like personalities and. In that movie, they just happen to also be funny, but they are very funny, right? 
Right. But you kind of get to know their personalities and you kind of get to understand like why they're doing what they're doing. Like they have a reason behind it. It's not just because they like to destroy things. You yeah. Know? And so. So, yeah, it was that was tough because I was like, just like show me something like give me like, oh, the tiger claw like killed their previous leader. And so this it's a big revenge story. Or, I don't know. It could be anything. You know what I mean? Just like put something back there besides just like a threat. This is the threat. All right. Yeah. So that, yeah, that really. The other weird thing they yeah. do with it is that they, I think uh, Saffron Burroughs character, Angel Devereaux says this, that like they're emotionless and we have emotion. Like that's why we're going to win or something like that. There's know. definitely a thread in the beginning of the movie with that where, where they have the Kilrathi have no emotion. Right. And we have emotion and that's why we're going to win. Why why do the alien hordes always have to be emotionless? <laughs> like why can't we get some super emotional aliens? Right. I don't know. It's a good question. So yeah, so that was my first fail. It's just we learned nothing about them besides the fact that we we're supposed to root against them and their color was green <laughs> and our color <laughs> our color is blue. <laughs> my first one for successes and failures. Rosie's death scene. Wait. As a fail? I should hang on. Okay. Here's <laughs> here's the spoiler first big spoiler. <laughs> here's the first big spoiler. Rosie's death scene is my biggest fail in this movie. Okay. So many stupid things happen in this scene. First, the fact that they're being called back to base and they charge ahead and like have this showdown of who can kill a Kelrathi in the dumbest way possible, like yeah. the bravest way possible. Take while, the biggest risk. While yeah. the Kelrathi are retreating, like, dumb. Yeah. Like you, that just wouldn't happen. And then the move he pulls, and the fact that she's, like, not ready for it, like she gets caught off guard so her ship gets clipped by the debris. Then the fact that she can't eject, there's no backup to the eject system. Then they're limping back to the ship, and... I mean, you're in space. You don't have to get back to the ship at 100 miles per hour. <laughs> like, things in motion stay in motion in space. So you could give it just a, a boost, and you'd be heading, get it lined up, and it'll just drift right in. Yeah. And then, and then, the biggest grievance of all is once they crash, it's like a runway, but then there's a some kind of barrier that they cross through to seal the hangar. Yeah. And some kind of field. He makes it through. Her ship crashes and kind of flips over. And it's outside the hangar in space. Yeah. Her debris from her ship is all over the runway. So nobody else can land until. Yeah. Right. And there's other ships circling that right. have to land. Even though they all came back first and these two flew in the opposite direction, there's still ships out there that have to land. And they need to clear her debris, and nobody can go out there. They send a robot out, or like a robot bulldozer out, to push it off the runway. Instead of sending a robot truck out there to grab it and drag it back in through the force field, through thing. the force field. <laughs> there's a hundred ways to solve this, and we don't get a shot. On the only confirmation we get that Rosie is dead is that they try to call her on the radio, and she doesn't respond. Right. And I think we've seen throughout this movie how unreliable these radios are. We don't have a good comms <laughs> in, in, this, in this future, yeah. <laughs> so this whole scene is an absolute fail for me. Thanks for taking out the best <laughs> character in this movie in the worst way possible. Yeah, this was definitely one of the funny scenes that shouldn't have been funny. When, they, when, <laughs> when this bulldozer came up, like, we got to clear the runway. And you, can you, I just, all I can imagine was like, like the laziest guy, or I guess it was was it a robot or was there a human? It looked in? like it was a ro- remote controlled. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's like the laziest guy on the ship, just like jumps onto the controls. Like, all right, just another day at work. Gotta clear the runway. <laughs> <laughs> and he just pushes. It's, it's so. Like I don't know. It's it's so weird. Like, it, it, why have a runway at all? <laughs> Why not have the force field start at the beginning of the runway? Yeah, I don't know. 
right. <laughs> it was just so screwed up when there's just a bulldozer just slowly pushing her into space. <laughs> like, we, just, I mean, you're probably dead, so bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was bad. All right, what do you got? What else you got? Success um, and failure. I'll go with a success. Again, this is something we've talked about it a little bit already, but I gave the submarine feel a success. I liked that everything didn't have to be like shiny or like modern or like, you know, a lot of space movies, things are very like clean or like simplistic or everything's smooth or shiny. And like, I liked in this that things were like pretty rough still. Like there's stuff you could see like cords and tubes and things along the ceiling like it was it was it was a rough place right and yeah. so and that combined with it being darkly lit and that again the sort of like the the stuff of them having to like be quiet and that whether it fits correctly in space i don't i don't can't maybe maybe it does maybe it doesn't i thought it was executed well if that's what they're going for like trying to it's more of a like this is the new sea battle is space if that's what they're trying to do then i i thought it was good i li- i liked it I will agree with you. I just wish they would have stuck with it instead of going yeah. around to other things. Yeah. I think in in the future, if we really end up with like fighting in outer space and like a some kind of space military, I do think it'll very much have the feel of the Navy. Yeah. And Star Wars does this. I know we get a lot with you know X wings and Tie fighters and dog fighting, so it very much feels like Air Force. But especially in the the cartoon TV shows that they've done, Star Wars Rebels, Clone Wars, when the forces kind of converge on each other, the capital ships very much feel like a naval battle. You know, the Star Destroyers versus the you know the Rebels capital ships. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a naval battle. And so, using that in space, that those those themes, those styles of fighting in space. Yeah, I, I think that's pr- that's pretty accurate to probably what the future may hold, and a good way to go with your movie. I just wish they would have picked one. Sure, I got another fail. Okay, uh, the marine scene. So we get a scene where they uh, trade in their fighter jets, their rapiers, for uh, some guns. And they storm the Kilrathi. I don't even remember what ship they captured to that they were storming. Somehow they found one. Yeah, I'm not disabled. sure. Yeah, and uh, they storm this vessel, and the Kilrathi ship is like covered in like green smoke, <laughs> fog, and there's all sorts of weird edits. Yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. ends up Christopher Blair ends up off on his own, kind of like in the cockpit of the ship or the command deck of this ship and has to fight a couple of Kilrathi himself. Yeah. And I could not see what was going on. Like they seemed like they had him like sprung a trap on him, but somehow he gets out of it through editing. <laughs> it's just yeah, when you when you cut a scene like that and when you make it so hard to see what's going on, how can you expect your audience to follow that? Right. Yeah, and be invested in the action at all. Right. It was awful. Yeah, I had I had that as one of my fails also. Was it just, I don't know, when other space movies have pilots fighting not in their planes, it's usually because they're leaving, coming from their plane or going to their plane. <laughs> like, yeah. this was a full-on, like... Ground assault. Ground assault. No planes were... I mean, they, they took a plane... They took another ship to get there, but... I think they took uh, Taggart's ship. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But in any case, so, so it did feel weird because it's like all of a sudden they're like a totally they're doing a totally different job than what we've been seeing them do the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. All right, Darren. I'll do another uh success. I gave a success to the at least the idea of this pilgrim backstory that Freddie Prince Jr. his character um Blair has. So his backstory is essentially that his father was a no his mother was a pilgrim and his father fought for the same 
army, yeah. whatever that he fights for, Federation, Federation is, that yeah. he fights. And they got married, though, had a child. They died when he was young. But the these pilgrim people are looked down on by most people in present day in this movie. And so they were the ones that kind of like set the stage for space exploration for humans. Um, but it sounds like they got very full of themselves and kind of disconnected from humanity. Well, yeah, they thought that God had bestowed on them the power to navigate the solar system. Right. And, and so that- they were like, we're no longer, we're like demigods or semi-gods yeah, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. So, but I liked that they put some sort of story behind our main character that made automatically made his journey more difficult for you know for that reason that like people didn't trust him or didn't think he knew what he was doing so i thought i thought it worked well and it is nice to have whether it's detailed or believable or not it is nice to sort of have a little background of like oh how did we end up being able to explore space and jump through time and fight kill Rafi. <laughs> so yeah, so I gave I gave a success to that that they put that together. There was a lot of directions they could have gone with it. So I mean, I'm sure there was better ways they could have done it. I'm sure there's worse ways they could have done it, but I'm glad it was there. All right, so this is the uh tangent warning for the podcast. I'm about to go <laughs> off on a tangent because uh, the Pilgrim storyline is not in the video games. It was completely made up for the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's also a subplot that in the novelization of this movie, because there is a novel. Post-movie. Post-movie, but based on the movie script, not on the original video games, because there's tons of backstory there, where there's a traitor. There's a, I don't know if it's a Kilrathi traitor or a pilgrim. There actually is a traitor in their midst. And it like bounced around on like who the traitor was going to be. And then there was a whole scene where Christopher Blair actually gets like kidnapped by the Kilrathi and he has to like fight his way out in hand to hand combat. And he, remember they show that his cross like has like a something that shoots out of it? Yeah. Yeah. He's supposed to like stab someone with that. And I think that's why Taggart gives him his cross later in the movie. Mm. And then, yeah, one of the captains or one of the admirals was supposed to actually be the traitor. I was waiting for that to happen in the movie. I really felt it coming. I was like, one of these guys that are in charge is gonna be, is gonna, he's gonna flip. He's gonna flip. It's gonna happen. And then it never did. But yeah, it, I think at one point it was supposed to be Captain Sansky, but then they just say, oh, he's gone because of his like head wound. He died. I guess that's that's <laughs> totally, totally unresolved. He's just not there anymore. It's like, oh, your head's bleeding real bad. Yeah. All right, take him to the med. <laughs> take what are they? What's the medic thing called? The Sick bay, sick bay. Take me sick bay. So yeah, so there are yeah there there are some things that were added that did not get flushed out all the way, and the pilgrim storyline is definitely one of them. And I think people that were big fans of the video games, sure they probably don't like it. Yeah, well, because it came out of nowhere, they weren't expecting it. There was right. a whole other story and backstory that they were probably expecting. So here's my other tangent. <laughs> Two tangents in a row. These video games are pretty unique video games. So if you never played them before, if you never, if, you, if you, it's been a long time since you played them, or you never played them before, <laughs> Did they, is there really one for Super Nintendo? I have a Super Nintendo yeah. still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wing Commander One and Wing Commander Two are very much like pretty standard Nintendo video games. Like yeah. the graphics, whatever you would, you'd be like, okay. For th- Wing Commander Three, somehow Christopher Roberts got the idea that he was gonna do. Fully cinematic Hollywood cutscenes in the video game. And this video game was like $500. <laughs> and edited together, yeah. And edited together, it's like a two-hour movie starring Mark Hamill as Christopher Blair and Malcolm McDonald as Admiral uh, Admiral Tolwyn. Is this what what's what uh, pla- angel, platform did this one come out on? Play, I think PlayStation and computer. Play, okay, okay. But yeah, so it's it's bizarre. It's insane. It's I mean they filmed it's a, two hours cut together on YouTube. <laughs> and everything is green screened. Everything. So imagine Mark Hamill and Malcolm McDonald having a conversation 
and Super Nintendo graphics behind them <laughs> and all around them. And like Super Nintendo looking planets. <laughs> now, for the fourth one, or later in the 90s here, for the fourth one, they got they must have gotten more of a budget. These games are fairly successful. And they actually had sets, movie sets. And Ooh. it looks kind of like a... Uh, you know, like a lower end, like USA TV show. Yeah. You know, kind of cinematic quality. Uh, but it's still Mark Hamill, still Malcolm McDonald, a really good cast. The guy who plays Saul from Raiders of the Lost Ark okay. plays Taggart. Yeah. So imagine if you played those video games and you have Mark Hamill as Blair, <laughs> and now you have Freddie Prince Jr. and his like indistinguishable and his most neediest. <laughs> There's something so needy about Freddie Prince Jr. in the 90s. Yeah. He's a heartthrob. Which Freddie Prince Jr. today in these movies would destroy. He's kind of retired from acting. He only does voice acting. The last thing I he may have done was Star Wars Rebels, and he played an amazing character on that show. I think Freddie Prince Jr. today would crush. <laughs> Wing 1999? Commander. <laughs> mm, uh, he was an R-top performer, so let's put it that way. All right, there are my all tangents. Right, all right, all right. That's what I got. That's actually all I got for successes and failures. I've, I, I, I have I one more fail. Okay. Before we move on, we spent a long time here, but that's okay. My last fail was, I think if you're going into this and you're not used to this kind of movie, I think the story is confusing. I think there's a lot of back and forth of like, we have to intercept them and they're going to try to intercept us. The soul system at the jump point of the quasar. Yeah, yeah right? So, like, if, if you're not used to this, like, style of, like, where really the words they're saying don't matter too much as long as you're getting <laughs> the story, right? Like, I mean, yeah. they're going to use a bunch of space words. You know, like, those don't really Space make, words, military jargon. Right. It doesn't really make a difference as long as you're getting the story. I think it would be confusing for somebody to try to, because they'd be like, wait, 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 who's, who's quasar? Wait. Where are we? <laughs> like, I think it would get very confusing very fast. So I think you just have to be careful making a movie like this with the the jargon that you use and how much of it you use to describe things that are kind of important to what's happening in the plot. It's amazing how a movie like Star Wars or a world like Star Trek, and I guess this is credit to their creators, right? Roddenberry and Lucas. Yeah. That, I mean, Star Wars and Star Trek have just as much lingo and species and planets and ship names and yeah. tech but for some reason it's so accessible yeah like and it, not only is it accessible but it's become part of our lexicon yeah like droid everyone knows what a droid is right. and uh, a phaser and you know like it just beam me up scotty like yeah. it's just these things are so these things are so accessible when done right yeah and when done wrong it's it's just a mouthful <laughs> and just yeah like you said really inaccessible yeah it might have something to do and i'm just guessing maybe it's just sort of like they pair a lot of what they're saying with visual representation so it's easy to hack because you know once it's much easier for people to understand things when they ha- they can see it in their head so when you say quasar or when you say droid or when you say beam me up you're like the image pops in your head because these movies, when they're introducing these these things, show you what they're talking about. So maybe that has something to do with it. All right. Let's go on. There was a lot of successes and failures. It was. It's time to see what the critics had to say. It's time to go to Rotten Tomatoes. At <laughs> 10%. Find that 10% in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to start with the Rotten reviews this week. <laughs> There's a lot to choose from. These are all along the same line. I'm just going to read three real fast. The first one is from Athema Chansachal from Village Voice. She says, though this could be the meat of a good space story, the combat scenes are weak variations of the games. James Berendinelli from Real View says, the plot has all the depth and originality of a video game without the fun of the interactivity. Anita Gates from New York Times says, Wing Commander is based on a video game and has roughly the same degree of character development <laughs> that it is almost, that is all most moviegoers will need to know. Mm. So, I mean, would you rather just played the video game than watch the movie? <laughs> uh, maybe. 
<laughs> you talked about all these scenes that are in the mo- in the video game. It sounds kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the the ten year old in me wanted to get to the space battles and, and see how those play out. And maybe if they had done a better job with those, this would have been a more entertaining movie. But uh, yeah, I think maybe the ten year old in me is saying like, "Oh, give me the remote control. I'll show you how it's done." I'll yeah. show you how to take down some Kilrathi ships. <laughs> I'll show you how to be a wing commander. Man. I, I, yeah, I, I think maybe I would have rather played the video game than watch the movie. I, I kind of agree with them. Did you find that one fresh review? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I got, I got a fresh review. All right. I like this one. This is a fresh review from Dak from culturevulture.net. He said, he liked the unpretentiousness of it all. Found it to be an unpretentious movie. All right. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's unpretentious, I guess. <laughs> if that's enough to make a movie fresh <laughs> for you. That's all it takes. All it takes. Okay, so here's the fresh review, the actual fresh review on Rotten Tomatoes. Robert Rodden from Laramie Movie Scope says... It is a fairly shallow action movie, and it delivers on that level with plenty of action, engaging characters, competent acting, good pacing, good special effects, and a solid plot. So he's basically saying, eh, good enough. (laughs) Do you think, I mean, some of these things, we've called out actors that we liked in this movie and performances that we liked in this movie. Yeah. And, uh... The pacing was fine. Uh, how about the special effects? We haven't gotten too much into the special effects. You talked a little bit about the look. Yeah. Special effects were okay. I did like they did a, a lot of the uh, the zooming in. So like when there was an action thing happening, like if something blew up or if there was something whirling by you, it's like they zoomed past it, the camera did, Yeah. to make it look like you were actually you know yourself zooming past it. So, I mean, that was kind of cool, but, I mean, as far as, like, overall, it was it was just okay. Like, it wasn't, like, the explosions of the ships and things like that. They're all right. I mean, serviceable. All right. Well, I guess you agree with Robert here. I think so. Yeah. Uh, the space stuff, I was looking to see how they did it. Yeah, when the ships were flying out there, they did a good enough job. I mean... Did they get to Star Wars? <laughs> no. No. No, they didn't. But uh, they made a good showing of it. Yeah. Yeah. I will agree. Special effects, serviceable. <laughs> serviceable. All right, Darren. Uh, I'll tell you that the rest of the Rotten reviews are pretty much along the same path yeah. there. And uh, I think that pretty much covers what the critics had to say on this one. All right. Are you ready? I'm thinking about this a lot. Sequel? In the hour leading up to recording this podcast, I thought about it a lot. <laughs> you already started a screen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a screenplay going in my head. If you had to pitch a sequel to Wing Commander, yeah. what are you pitching? Am I going to go first? Sure. Of okay. course. Okay. Your honors. Your honor, your honor. <laughs> so I went prequel with this. All right. Being that one of my successes was the existence, whether it accurate to the video game or not the existence of this pilgrim thing i want to go back and see explore more of how these pilgrims kind of got started and you can maybe we could start towards the end of it where blair's parents meet and maybe even it would include them dying you know maybe that's a climax of the movie or something like that i don't know you know like they die their baby survives kind of situation yeah that's a good way that's a good way to set it so yeah, so it'd be interesting to see, get more of a taste of what these pilgrims actually did, like what did their explore, exploration look like, and then there must have been some tension between the Confederation and the pilgrims at some point, because it seems like everybody in the Confederation does not like the pilgrims. Yeah, um, there's a, there, there's definitely a falling out. Right, right. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays into this relationship, since her the dad is a uh, in the confederation the mom's a pilgrim so yeah so that's what i want that's what i want to see i don't know I, I don't know actors or actresses picked out but i think it'd be fun to kind of see 
how we got to where we are a little bit. I will tell you that if you go to fandom.com, there's a quite extensive quite extensive details on the pilgrims and their history. Uh, and, somebody uh, somebody did this already. Well, no, I think uh, there's an official authorized Wing Commander Confederation handbook. Oh. And the history of the Pilgrim War might oh. be in there. I mean, we're getting deep. We're we getting are deep, deep here in the fandom. Dang. So, yeah. So, if you wanted some details to pull for your screenplay. Yes. This might be a good resource for you here. Check. I got to say, I did think about that, and I like where you went with that. I've got a much more immediate sequel. Okay. I'm calling this Wing Commander 2, Rosie's Return. Ooh. She didn't die. No. Rosie was alive. (laughs) And they push her pod off of the runway, but it's not like she's falling to the bottom of the ocean. It's space. She's just floating in space. You just left her, you know, the capsule of her ship floating in space. What about those oxygen levels? They're getting them real low. Okay. Real low. <laughs> real low. <laughs> but a salvage freighter comes in at the last minute and scoops her up. And it's a ragtag bunch of <laughs> bunch of folks on this freighter. And Rosie, with all her military experience, whips them into shape. Ooh. And she finds out that we're going to pick up that drop plot line, that, that there was a traitor in the midst. Okay. She was actually undercover investigating this traitor the whole time. Ooh. Yeah, she works for military intelligence. Nice. And she's she bonds with the crew of this freighter and leads them. Because she needs a new crew. She can't go back to Angel and Blair and yeah, Maniac. Yeah. She needs a new crew. And she leads them on this secret mission to find the traitor. Nice. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, Rosie's back. Rosie's revenge. <laughs> It's nice alliteration. Yeah. Everybody loves an alliteration. I know. It is time to move into quick picks. It is time for our nitpicks of the movie. It's time for those last little details that we want to throw in there. What do you got this week for me in quick picks? My first one is, did the cockpit of the Diligent, the initial ship that we're in, change? So there's like a our initial scene... And we're in the cockpit, we're in the cockpit, we're in the cockpit. Then it switches away from it for a little bit. And then we're back. And I feel like it's a totally different color. So they're like... I don't know. (laughs) It was like a very stark change. I don't know if it was much brighter. So I don't know if it was supposed to be the reflection. Because they were heading into that... that Kilrathy. No, no, no. That like um, the jump point. It was like a a black hole or whatever it was. That giant... It was a very large blue light. So I don't know if it was just supposed to be like the blue light reflecting off of their cockpit that made it look so much brighter, but it all of a sudden they switch back to it and it's like a very intense color compared to what it was two seconds ago. Okay. Go back and check it out. <laughs> if it bothered you, <laughs> then it deserves to be in quick picks. Yeah. All right. My, uh, my first quick pick it's not a nitpick. It just made me laugh. The Nokia product placement. <laughs> in like the second shot of the movie, the guy looks down at his computer monitor and it's a big print at the bottom of the screen, Nokia. Because <laughs> in 1999, everyone thought Nokia would be what Apple is today. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. I they're, mean. They're like it's definitely going to be around in 2,400. <laughs> like Nokia is still a thing. It's still a big company, but it did not survive the smartphone wars. No, no, no. no, no. It got destroyed. Yeah. My next one is, again, really early on in the movie. I don't even know if we get this guy's name. The the commander who is on this ship in the beginning that the Kilrathi take over. Oh, okay. And they right. steal the... Um, Navcom the, AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They steal it. He knows what they're going for, so his intention is to destroy it himself so they can't hold on to it. He tries to shoot through the glass. The glass is bulletproof. And then they're like cr- banging on the doors. They're clearly trying to break into the cockpit. He has this perfectly good gun. And he just throws it down. He's like, oh, I can't shoot through this glass. This gun is useless. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe shoot at your enemy when they break through the door? Is that a thought? <laughs> go, go down in a blaze of fire at least. <laughs> 
in a blaze of glory. Yeah, yeah. He just throws it on the ground. The whole opening scene was useless. They somehow override the ability to destroy the NAVCOM. Yeah, I don't know. And the whole scene was it was weird, strange. Yeah, they think yeah, at one point he said there were like four hundred Kilrathi ships. <laughs> Or some like some astronaut, it's some ridiculous number. Yeah, that we never see again. No, we never see that many ships again. No, I don't know. It's yeah, weird. It's a weird scene. Yeah. All right, what do you got next? Uh, again, not a nitpick, uh, but I did notice this. We haven't talked at all about Top Gun. Okay. And the other thing, we well, you, you mentioned it briefly. Yeah. Right, with the name Maverick. Maverick. The yeah. other thing this movie wants to be, if it wasn't Star Wars, is Top Gun. <laughs> and. In fact, I be- this has to be an homage to Top Gun. It has to be. Because at the beginning of the movie, Blair is describing a move he pulled. Oh, right. Where he basically hits the brakes, his ship goes vertical, they fly past him. Oh, she's challenging him. What yeah. Would, what would you do? What would you do yeah. if there was a ship above and a ship below? And he basically hit the brakes, they fly right by, and you drop in below him. Yeah. That's Maverick's move. <laughs> like, we all know. I hit the brakes and they fly right on by. Yeah. 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 That is Lieutenant Pete Mitchell's move. <laughs> How dare you steal it? <laughs> I mean, if it's an homage, all right, fine. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's an homage. Uh, my next one is, so so being the kind of movie it is, we get we get a lot of, you know, the camera is looking at the pilot in the pilot seat. Right. Right. We get a ton right. of that. Mask on, mask off, mask oh on, mask God. off, on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, a thousand times. Yes. It, <laughs> it could, and then it, it's one thing, like, some movies have done it where if they have the mask on, you can't hear them communicate well. It's like it's it's smothers, so, you, so if you want to talk, you have to, like, take it off and talk. But well, they're doing both. They're talking with it on, with it off. So sometimes when they talk, they move it close to their mouth, like their comm is located in that mouthpiece. And then sometimes they take it off to talk. Right. <laughs> Where's the comm? Which is it? <laughs> I, got, I was so focused on that mask so many times because I was like, oh, it kind of looks like it. Is it a little magnet connect? How does it connect? Is it a little magnet? It's like, it does look like a little <laughs> magnet. Yeah. Right. It's not the thing I should be paying attention to. <laughs> Mask on, mask off. I was <laughs> noting who had it on, who had it off. Like Maniac has it, takes it off, but Rosie leaves it on. It's a lot. Uh, back and forth, back and forth. Gosh. <laughs> All right. That's exactly why this segment of the show was created. <laughs> what's the next one? I can't compete with that. Um, the captain really loves ordering around Mr. Abutu. Yeah. He doesn't give orders to anybody else on that ship. <laughs> He makes Abutu do everything. <laughs> and, you know, he does it with the grace of a military man. Yeah. But you know at the end of the day, he's got to be like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit of uh, Captain Kirk in Star Trek. Yeah. But he's ordering everyone around. Like, it's not just Ahura. <laughs> it's Scotty and Ahura and... Bones and Chekhov and Sulu. Yeah. No, it's just, they put all those characters, right, into one guy, <laughs> Abutu. <laughs> so I really only have one more because we hit on a bunch of others already, is the kiss at the end of the movie is horrible. It's horrible. Oh, the the whole love story is horrible. Yeah, the whole love story is t- horrible and it commences its horribleness in this awkward kiss at the very end. Everybody was waiting for if they would have like somehow worked in them, them like sleeping together in the middle somewhere. That's a thing that happens. You expect it to happen. Yeah, Maniac, the, te- the ma- tension builds up. Right. Maniac and Rosie, I mean, they're not the main story, but they did it. They found time for it. <laughs> it was dumb. I laughed out loud at the kiss. <laughs> I just didn't understand. Like, it's kind of cliche, but what did she see in him? Like, what did he do throughout the movie that she was like, oh, Lieutenant Blair. Right. Yeah, he never does anything. That was your last one? That's my last one, yeah. Yeah, we did use uh, up a bunch of these in other segments, but a few more. Uh, that So when uh, the hangar becomes compromised and they need to seal it up and everybody's, you know, the pressure is sucking everyone towards this hole in the ship. 
and uh, Blair's hanging on by a handle, and Maniac goes to rescue him. He ties a steel cable around his waist, and then when the pressure takes him and the cable gets at full extension, it, like, snaps. And uh, and he's able to grab Blair, and they pull him in. Yeah. That would have cut him in half. That absolutely <laughs> would have cut him in half. Like, at first I was worried, like, it was going to be nothing. At least he had, like, a gouge across his belly and was, like, taped up the rest of the movie. Yeah. You do not wrap steel around yourself like that. You were asking to be have a limb severed at least. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of, like, air pressure that's being pulled. Yeah. yeah, if it's pulling someone up in the air like that, yeah. And then my next one, how come the medics are never around? How many times are we calling for medics throughout this movie? It's a lot. Can we station a medic in the hangar somewhere? Can we station <laughs> clearly, a medic on the bridge? Clearly the hangar's a dangerous place. There should be a medic there. <laughs> These guys are like Mel Brooks in Spaceballs. They have to sprint the entire length of the ship. <laughs> if I walk... The movie would be over. <laughs> the ship's names. Rapiers. Maybe not the best name for a ship. So you're, I'm glad you said that because you reminded me. So I don't know if if it's supposed to be referencing a German word. So we visited our, my wife and I visited our friends in Germany recently, which was great. But they have this section of town in in Hamburg, Germany, where like all like the clubs kind of are, yeah, and a lot of the bars, <laughs> yeah, just like that. It's called the Raper Bond, and it's because they used to be rope making factories, and I so I think I don't know the exact word in German, but I, it's like for rope or something like that is somewhere in that. So I don't know if it had something to do with. Well, it also could be a rapier is a type of thin, light, sharp-pointed sword used for thrusting. Okay. Probably that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But when they said the name, it made me think of this part of town that, yeah, yeah. Maybe I've been thinking about the Me Too movement too much, but it made me think of rape, and I was like, maybe- Right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a better word. Yeah, like it was hard for her, her friends to convince us. Oh, you, you guys want to go to the Raper Bond? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go. <laughs> All right, here is my biggest nitpick. The final solution is they find out they're not going to beat the Kilrathi to Earth. They're being outrun. But they find out where they're going to be jumping to. Because you got to make a couple of jumps to get there, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they meet them at that jump point. And one by one, as the ships jump into that spot, they destroy them on the spot. Yep. Which, if you've ever played video games, is called spawn camping or spawn fragging. <laughs> and it's like the most dirtiest low-down thing you could do in like shooter video games. Yeah. Basically, you go to a place on the board where you know the computer generates a character after it's been killed. And as soon as someone pops up, you kill <laughs> So they don't even have time to move. They don't even have time to defend themselves. Their screen pops up and they're dead. Yep. That's what that was the <laughs> final solution of this video game movie was spawn camping. How <laughs> dare you, sir? They didn't even have a chance. And then uh my last question. Future fashion. The fashion of Wing Commander. Uh, the jumpsuits look comfortable. Yeah. I could the hoodie jumpsuit with the red overalls over it. Yeah. That looked like a good jumpsuit. Yeah. The army uniform had like a very loose neck. It looked like a woman's shirt where it was like basically from shoulder tip to shoulder <laughs> tip was like open. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But then it, it stayed high along the neck. There was no like cleavage to it. Right. It wasn't like a deep U. It yeah, was, it, it was straight V-neck. across. Yeah. I would go out of my mind. If the neck on a t-shirt gets stretched out, that t-shirt's done. It's over. Yeah. I need a very solid neck to my t-shirts. <laughs> I I would free, if someone put me in that shirt, I would freak out. <laughs> you'd be you'd have like the crew neck undershirt underneath it would look it would look terrible. <laughs> uh. I don't know that. that so the the mask thing was what you were paying attention to the whole movie. That's what I was paying attention to the whole movie. <laughs> it just made me uncomfortable from beginning to end. Yeah. I don't have any lessons this week unless you want to learn more about the Nokia Corporation. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> All 
we're pretty light on trivia this week. I will tell you that the uh, the Rapier fighter pilots are built out of the English electric lightning fuselages, not the MiG-21 fuselages, as sometimes stated. Common misconception out there for Wing Commander. Whoa, that's deep. Uh, I'll tell you, a lot of characters did appear in the video games. Blair, Maniac, Angel, Paladin, Tolwyn, Hunter, Commander Bossman Chen, the unseen pilot, the dead pilot whose mm. plane he's in, mm-hmm. Rapier he's in. This is Christopher Roberts' directorial debut, his only movie that he directed. <laughs> One and done. So my last bit of trivia is a quote from Freddie Prince Jr. And this is what he had to say about Wing Commander. I can't stand Wing Commander. I can't watch one scene of that movie. I read the script and loved it. So did my buddy Matthew Lillard. We both got the parts. We went on location and they said, here's the new script. It was a piece of shit. <laughs> Who was the other one? Didn't Was it Sylvester Stallone talking about stopping my mom will shoot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on for like a paragraph. <laughs> So, Darren, with that being said, what better way to lead us into our decisions now that we know what Freddie Prince Jr. himself <laughs> thinks of this movie? Wing Commander, is it a good movie or is it a bad movie? Wing Commander is a bad movie. It doesn't have much of an identity of what it's trying to do. We know it's trying to be some kind of space war movie, but there's not enough fighting scenes the character relationships are pretty lousy. It strays from the video game, which you piss off your like main base of people that were probably going to go see this movie. It had a hard time like figuring out what it wanted to do, and then because of that, what it ended up executing was was just not great. It was it was pretty pretty mediocre. I don't have cable TV anymore, but if I like came across it on like TBS or something on like a Sunday afternoon. I might leave it on, had I had never seen it before, I might leave it on and watch it for a little while because I'm like, oh, what's this space movie? But if I paid to see this thing, I'd be pretty mad. I'm going to agree. This is a bad movie. I think uh, the 10% got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, if you were a fan of the video games, I, I never played them growing up, but if you were a fan, you were probably really disappointed by this, especially when you come from Mark Hamill playing Lieutenant Blair to, like we said, not the best Freddie Prince Jr. character of all time. Right. This movie also, it, like, it doesn't say anything. Like, Star Wars and even, you know what this made me think of just at the end here? Starship Troopers. Like, Starship Troopers is a weird space movie with aliens, but it has something big to say. Like, it has something really big to say about our world and fascism, and, like, it makes a statement. Yeah. This movie has nothing to say. It's just is it just exists like a video game like that's acceptable for a super nintendo video game that's we didn't need any backstory the fact that we could (laughs) do these things and pilot these ships was enough yeah i just want to shoot stuff (laughs) yes that's what that's what was the nintendo was yeah now i mean now they wouldn't even fly on a playstation or an xbox like you need story and backstory and to have say something yeah so yeah, this this movie was a bad attempt to convert a video game into the movie genre just a bad movie. If it were if it were on TBS, I would be like, "Ooh, space for like a second, and then I'd be like, <laughs> "No. No, we're finding something else." <laughs> All right, Darren. There you have it. There you have it. That's our decisions this week on Wing Commander. I hope you guys enjoyed being nostalgic with us for a 90s movie. Coming up next week. Darren, next week is Christmas. It's time for us. Christmas. We've been ignoring the holidays here. It's time for us to get into the holiday spirit. Yay. We are going to do a Christmas movie for you because our episode comes out on Christmas. Christmas Day, you'll have a, you'll wake up <laughs> to presents and a new episode of the No Meh Movies podcast. What else could you ask for? And we'll be doing... Now, there are a lot of versions of this movie, so stay with me. We'll be doing Disney's... A Christmas Carol, which came out in 2009 and scores a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.8 on IMDb. It's the 3D computer animated version of A Christmas Carol starring Jim Carrey. 
Mm-hmm. There's lots of versions out there. There's the one with uh, Bill Murray. There's the Muppets one. Like, there are tons of versions of this. And uh, this is the one that falls in the meh category. So we're going to check it out and uh, see if it's a good movie or if it's a bad movie. That does it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. We need some reviews out there. Give us a review if you've listened to the show. Tell everybody what you thought of it. You can follow us on Twitter at No Meh Movies. I will definitely be tweeting out my thoughts on Star Wars spoiler free when I get to see it in theaters. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Let us know what you thought of Wing Commander. Let us know what you think of Star Wars. What the heck? Thanks for supporting the show, everyone. And the next time your friends ask about a movie, take a stance and tell them if the movie is good or bad. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. Claw. Tigers. Tigers. Claw. Claw. So he gets this message to that ship. Oh, wait. Hang on. It says here that it's the Tiger Claw. Is it the Tiger Claw or the Tiger's Claw? I think it's just Tiger Claw. Ah, it was called the Tiger's Claw in the video game. Ah. There we go. I'm going to start over. (laughs) No, we're doing great. Keep going. All right. Keep going.